Chapter 11, in which Flora takes a journey. Before the others could open their mouths to protest, Flora was gone. Her father, she knew, could not follow her, and Buck, she hoped, would not. What was poor sight and in his sense of smell, much less sharp than that of a wild mouse, she shuddered to think what might befall him out in the open in broad daylight. Or what might befall me, for that matter, she said to herself. Nevertheless, she pressed bravely on, hoping to sight the straw stack before too long. In fact, she could hardly see beyond the end of her nose, so much had the spring grass grown. What she could do, though, was to hear something. At first, it was just a distant rumble, but quickly it grew louder until it became a roaring, thundering, deafening noise heading straight for her while the ground beneath her feet shook. Flora cast a terrified glance behind her to see a huge red monster approaching. Leaping madly away to get out of its path, she came to a bank at the field's edge, a bank in which she saw there was a large hole. Flora dived headlong into the hole as the monster went thumbering by. For a long while, she crouched there, too frightened to move. Then at last, she heard something approaching her from the inside of the burrow in which mouth she sat. And before she could decide what to do, a large animal appeared. It was large, that is to say, to Flora's eyes, and brown in color with a fury coat and big liquid eyes and long ears that stuck up. What's up then, mouse? said the animal. It had two large front teeth. Flora could see, but something told her that it was not dangerous, and she held her ground. Sorry to intrude, she said, but I was being chased by a red monster. Red monster, said the animal. What be you then, some kind of town mouse? No, said Flora, I'm a school mouse. And please, what are you? You don't know? No. Where have you been all your life, mouse? In a school. You ain't learned much then. Never seen a rabbit before? R-A-B-B-I-T, thought Flora. Of course. I remember seeing a picture in that very first book I ever looked at. Only in a book, she said. A rabbit shook his long ear in bewilderment. You soft in the head, mouse, he said. All this stuff about school mice and books and red monsters. Anyone to think you ain't never seen a tractor before. T-R-A-C-T-O-R, thought Flora. Yes, that was in the book, too. What was it doing, she asked. Going down to the stack, said the rabbit, to get a trail load of straw bales. My mother's living in the stack, Flora said. Haven't you got no daddy, the rabbit said. He's in the school. They're separated, huh? Well, yes, they are, just at the moment, said Flora. That's why I'm out here, to fetch my mother and my little sister and take them back to school. They'll be safe there, I hope. And anyway, I want them to meet my boyfriend. He's called Buck. Buck, said the rabbit. You got a rabbit for a boyfriend? No, no, he's a mouse. He's ever so handsome. He's pure white, you know, snowy white, and he's got beautiful pink eyes. And six legs and a pair of dear little wings, I suppose, said the rabbit. I gotta hand it to you, mouse. You're the craziest. I don't know about school mice. Seems to me tis more fool mouse. And with those parting words, he turned and disappeared down his burrow. Meanwhile, down at the haystack, Hyseneth and Love in a Mist were unworried at the sound of the tractor's approach. They had grown used to it, its regular visits to collect load of straw. What they had not bargained for was that one day, as the stack diminished in size, they might become part of the load. That morning, it so happened that they had made their way to the very edge of the stack to watch for Ragged Robin's return, when the tractor driver began to load his trailer. Dratted mice, he said, as he lifted a bale and found two of the creatures hiding beneath it. Before he could do anything, they had leaped onto the bed of the trailer and hidden themselves among the bales already there. 
When the tractor returned across the field with its load, Flora had been on the point of leaving the shelter of the rabbit burrow. But hearing it approach, she forced herself to observe it carefully as it went by. It is all part of my education, she told herself, to learn about such things. She noted the features of the great red monster, its driver perched high in its cab, and she ran her eye down the load of straw bales. Suddenly she saw, right at the bottom of the load, two anxious faces peeping out between a couple of bales on the bed. One, a small one, she did not recognize. The other, she did. "'Mother!' yelled Flora at the top of her voice, and she ran out of the rabbit hole and scuttled along beside the tractor. "'It's our Flora!' said Hysenneth to Love in a Mist. "'Jump, Mother, jump!' cried Flora. "'Jump, Lovey!' said Hysenneth. "'But, Mom!' said Love in a Mist. "'No buts!' said Hysenneth. For a mouse, a leap from such a height is the equivalent of a man plunging off the top of a tall building. But mice fall light, and the lush grass cushioned their landing so that they bounced unhurt. "'Flora,' said Hysenneth, "'what are you doing out here?' "'I came to fetch you, Mother,' said Flora. "'But why did your father not come back? "'I told him to.' "'Is Dad all right?' said Love in a Mist. "'You must be Love in a Mist,' said Flora. "'You have got a long name, haven't you?' "'Mom usually calls me Lovey.' "'Come on then, Lovey,' said Flora. "'We must all hurry back to school, "'and then I can explain everything.' "'Are you still in kindergarten?' asked Hysenneth "'when they arrived at school.' "'Oh, no, Mother,' said Flora. "'I'm a first grader now.' and she led the way to her classroom. In her absence, Ragged Robin and Buck had spent their time in conversation. Buck was feeling guilty at having wounded Flora's father, and Robin was touched at his obvious concern. Don't worry, my boy, he said. Least said, longest mended. But in fact, they had a great deal to one another. Robin wanted to know all about pet mice and Buck about school mice. It's this reading business that amazes me, Robin, he said. I don't know how Flora does it. And she can count 31, whatever that means, and she knows a fantastic lot of things. Education, she calls it. I don't even know what the word means. Me neither, Buck, said Robin. I've been a school mouse all my life, but you could count the things I know on the toes of one foot. Speaking of feet, Buck said, you should be resting yours. Why not come on down to my place and you'll find it quite comfy? So off they went to the first grade classroom and Robin followed Buck down the hole beneath the sink. It was indeed a comfortable den for Buck, had pulled a good deal of insulation off the pipe, water pipes, and the two mice took their ease on the most comfortable of thick beds of yellow felt. The time passed pleasantly as they chatted, and then at last they heard voices above. They're here, said Robin, and he made his way up through the hole in the floor beds and limped three-leggedly toward the wife. Hi, my dear, he cried, you're back. Hesenneth, regarding her scruffy husband with a stern eye, you've been fighting, she said. Well, yes, said Robin. How could you? You're too old for such behavior. Well, yes, said Robin. You started it, no doubt. You went and picked a fight with someone. Well, no, said Robin. And now you've got hurt. Why can't you act your age? But heis, said Robin. I'd just like to get a hold of the mouse that did it. But mother, said Flora. No buts, said Hysenneth. At this point, Buck emerged from the hole. He looked, as usual, beautifully groomed with not a hair out of place. His white clothes coat gleamed, his whiskers were neatly combed. He lowered the gaze of his pink eyes before Hysenneth's astonished stare. I'm sorry, he said. I'm the mouse that did it. For an instant, Hysenneth stood stock still. Then she leaped at Buck and fastened her needle-sharp teeth in the end of her nose. <laughs>